Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and what a couple of weeks I have had. I mentioned some back pain last week, and things have, I wouldn't say they've improved, they've moved sideways. I have, from I guess, from compensating for what I had the last two weeks, I now have different back pain this week, and hopefully, after getting uh, a week off of work, because not for my back pain, we're going on vacation. We're we're going up to uh, Grand Old Wilmington to hit the beach and the record shops and the comic shops and uh, visit. Uh, notice how I mentioned lastly visit my parents, but but of course we're go- we're going up to there to stay with my parents and have a great time with them uh, and enjoy the fact that they're old and they don't feel as much need to make my life horrible anymore so uh but there's a love gravity records up there love memory lane comics up there Uh, you can listen to my interview with them from i guess a couple of years ago now on the needless things podcast Uh, and maybe i'll talk to somebody this time i'm not sure i'd like to talk to the guys at gravity records but they seem a little uh sort of in and out you never know quite how busy they're going to be so i think what i'm going to do is just stop by and and if we've got time to talk i'll do it and if we don't uh you know maybe maybe next time uh, but i I've, i'm going to take it really really easy because i need a break my friends i need a vacation i need to chill and not worry about anything uh, which is why the next two episodes of the Needless Things podcast are already in the can. Exciting stuff. You're going to be happy to see. Uh, next week is our Needless commentary for the summer classic weekend at Bernie's. And then the week after that, uh, I've got a little something that I've put together that you guys are going to enjoy that you'll hear in two weeks. But this week, oh, my friends, this week uh, is an interview that I, I've been wanting to conduct for a little while now and our good pal dana swanson kind of hooked it up for me and uh, that is with john carr who works at dad's garage theater and who has a play called black nerd coming out uh, now basically Uh, the preview is this weekend next weekend or next third this coming thursday uh, from today it it officially starts at dad's garage it plays every thursday friday saturday through uh, the beginning of August, you can go to Dad's Garage website. You, you guys know how to use Google by now. I mean, surely. Uh, so just go to the Dad's Garage website and check it out. You, you need to get out and go see this. I'm very excited about it. Uh, I, I have every once in a while kind of touched on what, I, what is going on. And, I, you know, I don't get political. I'm, I'm not that guy. But I've kind of touched on what's going on in the country, and I like to look at different perspectives of how people take uh, our our nerdy stuff that we love in. And I, I think there's a lot of middle ground to be found if everybody can just calm down. And uh, this this interview is great. It's so it's a basically a perfect stranger and I sit down and find all kinds of common ground because we just sit down, have a conversation, and have a nice time. And I, I was. 
honored to be able to sit in Dad's garage and conduct this interview. I was delighted to be talking to John, uh, and I'm very excited to see his play. And I, I've got to tell you guys, we have some air conditioning interference. It's not bad, but it's there. And it, but it seemed like anywhere in Dad's was was going to have a little bit in the background. And and it's fine. You can still hear the conversation perfectly fine. But I want you guys to be aware that at a couple of intervals uh, during the conversation, you you get the Dragon Con horror track effect. Although honestly, it's not quite as as uh, loud as it is in the horror track room, which we love. We love the horror track room. Uh, but it but it is windy in there. Uh, but this this is a fantastic conversation. You're absolutely going to enjoy it. But before we get to that, I got to talk about three specific things. I made I made little notes here so I wouldn't get too off track. Uh, first, really quickly, I just want to say that the Appetite for Destruction Super Deluxe Edition that has like 48 or 49 tracks on it is absolutely phenomenal. If you're a fan of rock and roll. Uh, it gets my highest recommendation. I love these albums that are coming out now that are reissues that include basically everything that the band recorded around the time that album came out. Uh, one of the highlights or, or one of the main main attractions of this set is a selection of tracks from a Sound City recording session uh, that included... I think most of the songs from Appetite for Destruction and then several other songs, including a couple of different versions of November Rain. Uh, it, it's just phenomenal, and I love hearing like an era of a band, and that's what this is. It's like this is what Guns N' Roses was when Appetite for Destruction was happening, like prior to their rocket ship uh, stardom. This is what they were doing, and it's amazing to hear how tight they were and how much fun they were having and some of the cool stuff they did. And I think my favorite track off the whole thing is an acoustic version, and I'm not normally an acoustic guy, but it's an acoustic version of Jumpin' Jack Flash that is just, it's so much fun. Like, you can just tell these guys are sitting around a room grinning, playing a song they love from a band they love. Uh, it's wonderful. So anyway, if you're a fan of rock and roll, uh, especially if you're a fan of Guns N' Roses, check that out take a look at it it's probably streaming on one of the streaming places uh, me being the big uh, gotta have it dummy i am bought the the digital from amazon bought the vinyl but the uh, like i i am a sucker i'm a chump what are you gonna do uh next thing on the list is into the badlands and i realize season three has been done for like two or three months now maybe longer even i don't even know uh but me and the missus watched the first season and really dug it and then the second season came on, and for some reason, I had like a mental block against watching the second season. I don't know why. I have no idea why. Uh, but it just every time I went to the DVR and looked at it, I was just like, eh, I don't know if I don't, didn't want to get that immersed in a completely different uh, like world. I, I, I don't know what my problem was. But I finally, the other day, uh, when I was trying to relax and take it easy because of my back, I was like, you know what? I need to I need to marathon something so I'm not compelled to to get up out of my chair and like do work and do whatever. I need to find something that I'm going to sit down and I'm going to dig and is going to keep me interested. And I was like, I'm gonna I'll try the first episode of the second season of End of the Badlands and see if it hooks me. And boy, howdy, did it! Uh, I watched the whole second season. And look, I'm not proud of this. But I'm also not terribly ashamed of it because, like I said, I, I needed to sit down and not do anything. Uh, 
watched the whole second season in like a day and a half and then a good bit of the third season i've managed to get in as well and it's incredible you guys oh my gosh if you if you haven't watched this show and i don't really ever see anybody talking about it so i think a lot of people probably aren't watching this show uh but it's just it's the best parts of like martial arts action and drama like it's it's a little bit of game of thrones it's a little bit of kung fu theater uh it's a little bit of little bit of magic fantasy in there uh it's just it's awesome it's mind-blowingly awesome i want toys of all of the characters uh preferably like a a large three and three quarter inch collection like funko's new substitute for a reaction like that that would be cool i'd be down with that uh but anyway into the badlands if you haven't checked it out check it out if you like me for some reason put off the last two seasons get back to them because nick frost being added to the show uh and you know if if you haven't seen i can't remember the name of the movie he does a movie where he's a a dancer like a mambo dancer and it's fantastic and i i that movie i kind of fell in love with him because i you know i always liked him with the simon Pegg stuff and the edgar wright movies but uh to see another layer of an actor which is what the 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 mambo king i can't remember exactly what it's called but again you guys know how to use google uh so nick frost put in this amazing performance as as a dancer and uh after seeing that i was like oh wow he's he's an interesting dude he's got some range he's got some chops I'm, i'm very interested in this and now for him to have been added to into the badlands and look i'm not going to say anything about his character because i was delighted at the direction that his character ended up going that i didn't know was going to happen so you know i i kind of have to i'm just going to leave that there and and say watch it enjoy it be thrilled with it and there you go and now i'm sitting here and looking at uh, wikipedia and i can't i don't oh there wait uh no that's not it where is this movie uh, cuban cuban fury that's it cuban fury uh, and i'm sorry this intro is going so long but cuban fury is awesome and i don't think anybody saw it came out in 2014 uh check that out too so there you go and real quick i'm going to make this last part quick uh, new season of glow everybody's good as the first season it's still my favorite netflix show uh, every performance on there is great and mark Marin is fucking acting oh my gosh is he acting uh, i mean everybody on the show is fantastic but the rest of them uh, are actors except for awesome kong who is also phenomenal on the show she gets a little bit more to do this season uh and that's all i'm going to say about it again i don't i don't want to give things away i just want to tell you to watch things so uh, watch glow marvel at all the fantastic actors uh marvel at mark Marin and awesome kong and Marvel had a great, great, great story that I can't wait to see more of. I, I hate that we're probably going to have to wait a year for more episodes, but I also love that it's 10, 30-minute episodes. Uh, it's fantastic. So there you go. Th- there are my recommendations for the week. Uh, and now I recommend you stick around, listen to a little bit of music from the Mystery Men, which you can find at themysterymenofsurf.com. Uh, and who are also raising money to record their next album. So uh, check that out. You know how to Google Mystery Men. And uh, after the Mystery Men, after a pleasant interlude, enjoy an even more pleasant conversation with our new friend, John Carr. (laughs) 
All right, so we're we're here at, right in front of the, the stage at Dad's Theater in this amazing space. And, and actually, I was really excited about meeting you here because I love being in like performance venues mm-hmm. when nothing like when it's not shit. <laughs> Absolutely, because I years ago I worked at the Masquerade, and I always loved getting there early and like just being in that venue. Oh, that, and that had so much atmosphere. Right. Like, well, yeah. that, like, even when it was just me and like a couple of the day staffers in there, the energy lingers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I loved it. Was very, it was very cool. I was excited to be in another like cool space. Yeah. And yeah. Off yeah. It's yeah. A cool thing. Absolutely. Yeah. This is the set that's being built for Black Nerd. So. Well, that's 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 perfect uh, way to start because I, I do want to talk about your background and your history. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not just of your life, but also your dad's. But let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Black Nerd because I definitely want to get that over. Yeah. Uh, it, how autobiographical is it? I would say probably like 50 yeah. 50. There's, there's a lot of just stories and things that I've like been line for line directly taken from experiences, and then some things that I've just kind of like are amalgamations of different things that have happened. It's. How is this happening at Dad's? Because for the listeners, mm-hmm. that, that I'm talking to John Carr, which of course in the <laughs> intro I will already establish uh, the, the gentleman on today's show. But uh, what, how, how does something like this come together and what is your part in sort of the day-to-day Dad's okay. situation? So I'll, I'll start with the day-to-day Dad's. So that's a faster question to answer. <laughs> Uh, so I'm the marketing director at Dad's Garage, and uh, my job is to put butts in seats. And uh, I've been doing that for about three or four years, but I've been a performer at Dad's Garage. I'm coming up on 14 years now, uh, just performing and running around here and acting dumb and having a good time. Um, but, so the actual process of the play is very, was I, I think is pretty interesting. So... Um, it really started in, um, I started a couple years ago doing a sh- uh, show called uh, Write Club. And it's a literary show that happens in town. And there's also like a singing song missing. They're, they're literary shows. And it was really interesting because for me, my, com- my background had all been comedy. Mm-hmm. And the literary shows tend to be a little bit more like dramatic and like opening up about private things and like let really kind of exposing yourself to an audience. And so I decided to do it. Scared the crap out of me, but I'm like, I'll go for it and do it. That's and the best I, stuff. Exactly. That. Yeah, I love it. And and so I did it, and it was like, okay, I, I can do things other than just comedy. I can actually, like, try and, like, use my personal experience to tell stories. And I had, like, just this great response. It was like, okay, it opened my eyes. Like, all right, I, I could do some of these things. So I started writing some series for them. Um, and then, so then going back to Dad's Garage, we have a really unique system of planning our scripted work. We always say we want to create work that people want to see. And so the way that we make sure we do that is once a year, everybody comes together. Uh, performers, set designers, volunteers. If you're part of Dads, you come together. It's in February for one day, and everyone pitches an idea. And it's basically, this is what I want to see at Dad's Garage. And it's anything from you know uh, shows about Dragon Con to uh, just ridiculous puppet plays to like and so it's it's literally anything you want and then at the end of that we all vote and the audience votes on what they want to see the the idea that gets the top votes 
those are the shows that we see um, throughout the next season. And you guys offer a, a wide variety of entertainment there. I mean, you've got improv stuff, you've got scripted plays, you've right. got... Uh, it, it seems like you're very open to like just anything that you think is going to be entertaining. Exactly. I, exactly. And we definitely have like uh, a comedy uh, bit to all of our stuff. But the, it's cool because comedy is has a million different forms. Sure. And what that means has a million different things. So you can see all types of things with that. Um, and my original idea for this, I uh, it was funny because we were doing the pitch and I was talking to one of my friends. And I'm like, it's going to be great. And this idea about this guy who gets hit in the head and then he can only speak in uh, rhymes and he accidentally becomes a rapper and he falls backwards into the rap and he's a big rapper. And it's, and it's like, it was this very elaborate all over the place thing. And my friend just kind of stopped me and she just looks at me and goes, I don't want to see that. And I was like, I'd rather just skip play about you. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, it was great. And it was like, and so that's how I decided to write Black Nerd. And it's basically my experience, because I grew up a nerd. I was into, I've always been into nerd culture. I go to Dragon Con every year. Um, it's always been a, a big part of my life. But then there is also this unique experience about being African American and being in this space and like what those things are and then what it means and then also being a nerd and having a family who is like just a traditional black family and how that you don't fit in there. So it's that idea of like finding that space and um, where you do fit in. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very interested in the show because you know, obviously, at this time in our society, there's there's a lot happening. Yeah, yes, <laughs> uh, a lot of, and a lot of important things going on. That you know, as as a white dude in America, <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of perspective on anything. Uh, so, sort of, and I was I was raised in the South, but I was raised in a house that was very much like you just meet people and then make up your mind about them. Right. Like, we didn't... Yeah. You know, my, my family was really good about... People are just people. Yeah. Yeah. So now, it, it that almost made me ignorant in a different way. Mm -hmm. So it's very... Like, I, I, I want to see what's happening. I watch seeing things like Get Out, seeing things like Black Panther, mm -hmm. and understanding... The significance of those beyond, oh, that was an awesome movie. Right. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 again, Black Nerd brings a whole different aspect of that experience of not only and and I don't want to make too many suppositions, right. but growing up as with with that feeling of the other. Right. But the other within the society of the other. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. It is a, a segment within a segment. Right. <laughs> right. Sort of thing. Yeah. And I think that's what that, that's what really appealed to me to do this show and write this show is that I think there's so many great people that are talking about the African American experience and we're at a time where people are actually listening to that story, which mm -hmm. is great. And so it's also cool that like, all right, now that we've told you this general idea, now let's talk about some of these other segments that are within that and some of the other struggles and some of the other perspectives uh, because there are so many different perspectives and for me like I, I was just one of those guys that I very rarely saw myself on television I even yeah. even <clears throat> because there are obviously there are tons of like African American characters on television 
but who I was apart from like Steve Urkel. Like, right. Uh, right. There was there wasn't that like there wasn't that guy that was like a black guy who had my types of experiences. And so and so that's what I I really wanted this to kind of circle around and like kind of play the game. We, I, in the show that we, we talk about the Lisa Turtle rule. And it's this idea that like in television you always have there's always not always but there there can be this character this is like in a white show there is the black character right and the rule about the black character this is the turtle rule is uh for so long the rule was black character can do whatever they want they can have fun but the story is never about the black character mm-hmm. there are special episodes about them and then even when you think about like say by the bell is just this show where everybody was being jesse and slater and slater and and Kelly and like everybody had this all the combinations except for Lisa and anybody else. Yeah, Lisa never got anyone because the show was never about her. Um, and so it was that idea of like, what if we took that like that you know Winston from New Girls or like um, our <laughs> Lando Calrissian from Star Wars and all these like supplemental. Um, black characters in these shows and what happens if they're the star of the show and if it actually is about them and that's kind of the idea and, and with response to Han Solo it's looking more and more like Lando maybe should have been the star of the show <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed Solo yes I did I enjoyed it as well it is unfortunately that it did not do as well yeah. which makes me concerned that they probably won't do more of those movies like that. I know, and, and to get off on a little bit of a sidetrack, because that's what we do here. Uh, you know, I want all kinds of Star Wars movies. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, and, and, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and say that Rogue One and Solo are my favorite of the mm-hmm. Disney era ones thus far. Yeah. But, like, I want wild, crazy, different stuff like Last Jedi. Yeah. I want safe, satisfying fast food style <laughs> Star Wars, you know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like, I it's it all. Right. And, and, yeah. and, and like you said, I'm a little worried now that Solo underperforming is going to lead them to back away from doing anything because even Solo itself is diverging because mm-hmm. it's not part of the main saga. Right. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, I guess. We'll, we'll see. I, I think where they shot themselves in the foot was the expectation that every one of these is going to be a billion dollar movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Solo was a very good movie, and it could have been made just as well with half the budget. Yeah. And and just because they were trying to make these things. And so, like, I'm still hopeful that maybe there is a, a smaller budget version of something. Maybe yeah. there is a, like, a good Netflix series, Star Wars series that we could see. That Those are the things, but I, I, I do worry that they may not do the big budget thing again. The, the idea, I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day, um, who's a writer, and I, I will have ideas all the time and then never sit down and write them, so I'm, I'm always happy to share them, hoping that somebody will steal them and make them happen. I would love to see a Jabba's Palace movie with Bib Fortuna and sort of the, the motley crew of Jabba's Palace, but it's almost a clue-style thing where something really terrible happens that they know 
is going to set Jabba off. Right, right. And they have, they spend the whole movie trying to hide it from Jabba. It's this, <laughs> it's this almost like farcical running around the palace. We, we have to find, no, go there. Like, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where just I can envision certain scenes. Right, and, yeah. And, but again, that's that would basically be a comedy, and I think it's probably too far afield of See, I, wish, I wish they would embrace that. Because I think yeah. that's what helps the Marvel movies. Because there's so many Marvel movies. But mm-hmm. they're, they're a pretty diverse group of Marvel. There's like yeah. the cookie cutter, but there's also the silly rated R comedy. There's like there's different styles within the Marvel universe. And I wish they would embrace that with Star Wars a little bit. Yeah, and, and I think it's just, you know, it's only been, what, four... No, it wasn't 2012 when Disney bought it, was it? I don't know, but it's only been a few years. Right, yeah. They're still figuring out what they can do and what they want to do. So yeah. there's hope. We'll yeah, get there. Absolutely. Because I mean, Star Wars isn't going anywhere. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, to get back to Black Nerd, um, when you're sitting down trying, and obviously we don't want to give too much away about right. the story, but when you do have a concept like that and you think, okay, I've when you know the story you want to tell, what's the, what's your process of figuring out the beginning, the middle, the ending, the beats? Like, right. what what is your writing process? So for me, uh, just because I've been doing improv for about for like yeah, 13, 14 years, um, and Dad's Garage, our improv style is storytelling. That's what we aim to do in all of our scenes, and and so for me. I've already had a lot of like training just in like telling the story mm-hmm. and like putting this, the beats together. And so for me, this was just like writing out a long improv scene. Um, it was great because a lot of the pieces that I used that I was able to like write in for the right club and those types of pieces were things that I could like kind of take and kind of reshape a little bit and use in that scenes. And so I think that's one of the kind of the really unique things about this show. Like if you've ever seen a show at Dad's Garage, um, we're always, it's always funny, it's always ridiculous, it's always uh, just a fun time. This is going to be one of the first times that we've tried, to, we're going to, not first time, first time in a long time, that we've really tried to do a show where it's funny, it's got all the dad's garage elements, but there are just some sad moments, and there are some really dramatic moments, and hopefully really honest moments in it. So it is this kind of this wave of emotion and a journey in there. But like for me, just putting it together, um, it was... It was funny because a lot of this, the play was based on like stories of my life, and so I was describing it to someone. I thought about like this happened to me, and this happened to me, this happened to me, and I was putting it all together. And then I realized, oh wait, this play needs an ending. And they play like any play is like there's a point, and I'm like, holy crap, all this stuff that happened to me, what's the point? <laughs> what does it mean? It's like this weird existential. <laughs> we, we've got to have a point where the audience knows it's time to go home. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and like I, like all these parents are supposed to be saying a single thing, and I'm like, oh my god, what has my life been saying up to this point? <laughs> so in short, what you had to do to cap off this play was figure out your purpose in life. Exactly, no, exactly. Not a problem at all. And so. That left me in on my apartment room floor, like just like why? What was the meaning of life for a week? Uh, but yeah, it was it was taking a lot of stories, taking them all, developing in like the normal story beats, and then at the end of it, saying like, what am I trying to say? And what is it that I'm really the point that I'm trying to get across in this? 
And once I had the point and the idea, then I can put the stories and the experiences in an order that makes sense to have that point. Sure, yeah. sure. It, it's I as I've gotten older, I have really because you know when I was when I was younger, I loved the laugh a minute stuff like Billy Madison yeah, or whatever. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But as I've gotten older, I've grown to appreciate when there is drama when it makes you feel something and when that laugh is kind of a release yes and absolutely. it makes that laugh so much better absolutely uh, that, I mean that's why horror uh, horror movies work so well when they have a little bit of humor yeah. is tension 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 and then the cat jumps out oh <laughs> okay yep. like it, it's there is an art to really fishing for that laugh I think mm-hmm. and 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 getting it the right way. Were you, were you conscious of that kind of thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's... We always say, like, I, I feel like comedy is a tool. And I'm still the same way. Like, I was laughing it's always great. But I started realizing that comedy is a tool. It's this thing. Like, if I'm telling a story, if I can... If the main character can make you laugh in the first, like, five or ten minutes, you're in love with that character. Mm-hmm. You have an yeah. emotional connection. And so if I can get you emotionally connected to that character then we can go on a journey somewhere. And then if something bad happens to that character, you don't care because you had that emotion. So like using comedy as a way of connecting you with people, using comedy as a way to like having those tension relieving moments. And then it makes the, the tense moments better because it's not just one, it's like getting punched in the shoulder over and over. You keep yeah. doing that, you'll start getting numb. Yeah. So like it, it brings this break of like, those tense moments are more tense because they're surrounded by comedy and something different. And those comedy moments are even more hilarious because they're surrounded by something different. That's uh, that's brilliant, though, about creating that connection with a laugh. Because so many times in, in television shows and movies and whatever now, I feel like they're so intent on getting to the events that they forget to make us like the characters. Yes. <laughs> and and it, it just just in the past year, mm-hmm. uh, and again, I don't know if it's just my brain taking my years of entertainment and, and starting to to have sort of learned a little more from it. Yeah. But I, I really do feel like we're, oh, right, I, I, we need to make them care about this person. <laughs> and if you, if you just do it quick, yeah. And, and I'm not saying it's easy to get a laugh, right. but it's easy to plan for that and to create that connection. And man, what a better way to do it! It's it's absolutely true, and it's it's, it's as we've started coming into this age of like, especially when, when television and movies are reflecting comics a little bit more, mm-hmm. and just in the fact that everything is so connected. And the thing about reading a comic is, I can read six of them back to back, and so I can care about this character, which was set up in you know the first comic. And then you can have things go on, but you can't do that in a TV show. Like I need to care about it in that episode, in that series. Yeah. And you need to make me care about that character and, and people working so hard to like make everything interconnected and like to reference this. Oh my thing gosh, it's exhausting. Thing. It is. It's so much. <laughs> and you and like I, I imagine you're like as a writer, you're just like sitting there trying to figure out how to like get all these references in and you get the story and there's action and there's violence. And you sit there and you're like I finally did it, and they're like, "Oh crap! I forgot to make them care." Yeah. <laughs> I forgot there was this person yeah. to have a soul in the matter to anyone at all. Yeah, we we just plugged this this blank slate into all of these scenarios. Yep. You can't do that because then the scenarios mean nothing to the audience. Exactly. All right, you brought up comic books, yes. so we've got to diverge again. Mm-hmm. What what got you reading? 
What got me reading? Oh, the <laughs> you know what? It was classic GI Joe. Oh I was, man, I, I'm going on. Yeah, classic GI Joe, and yes. it's I. My brother and I were giant GI Joe fans, and so <laughs> we used to do this thing where at, at night because we had like 150 GI Joe figures, mm-hmm. and we would get bored at night. We couldn't sleep, and our parents were in bed, and so we had a duffel bag full of all 150 of our characters. And so we turn off the lights, and I would have like a little light, and I'd look at who it was, and I'd hand it to my brother, and he had to close his eyes, and just by the feel of the character, he would have to identify what the oh, character was. Awesome. And he could do it. Like, he was pretty amazing. He could just identify the character. But yeah, I was a classic G.I. Joe fan, and that's what I read all the time. And then as I kind of started branching out, I started writing, or reading some of the more like classics like Batman's and the, the Superman and that sort of thing. But yeah. That, that's, it's amazing you say that, and the listeners will notice uh, because the comics that got me started were Larry Hama's GI Joe from Marvel uh, yeah. and Uncanny X Men. Yep. Those were the two comics that turned me into the guy that has to have the mm-hmm. next issue. I had to have, uh, know what was going on, but I, and and I should have brought you a copy of the book. I just got published. You know, GI Joe book. Oh, really? Yeah, it's oh, called. That's the, awesome. uh, yeah, it, dude, it's incredible. It's the first time <laughs> I've been publishing anything. It's called The Joy of Joe. Oh, and wow. it's all just essays about like reminiscent like what you just yeah that kind of stuff oh wow people who grew up with G.I. Joe writing about it. <laughs> I, I wish so I had known cool. I'll, I'll have to get you a copy of the book oh my god I'm, I'm just I'm thrilled mm-hmm. to be able to say I have a copy of the book because <laughs> I never had this, this has been an ongoing thing with me for years now because I do a bunch of conventions and stuff and I never have a thing because you do a podcast, and right. I, can't, I can't bring a handful of podcasts with me. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, I always talk about like I don't have a thing. So <laughs> now, now I do. That's awesome, though. Yeah, those GI Joe comics, man. Uh, they they got me into story. You know, not just into comics, but into storytelling, and mm-hmm. like we were talking about, into characters. Yes. There were so many characters. And I actually, I, I was really into uh, X-Men, too. Uh, but I, I, I actually really enjoyed when there was just so many different characters. You could do so many different things with them and just different combinations. Yeah. And we always talk about, like, in improv, like, when we have characters, what matters is the relationship between the two characters. And so we, people get caught up in, like, action and, like, killing and violence and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, no, 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 it's about the relationship between yeah. two people. And that's what I loved about X-Men was everybody had very distinct personalities. And so you had a million different stories that were told just based on how these two people connected and what their dynamic was. And when they got together, how things changed and how that affected each other. And that was one of the things that that both of those comics had in common was they did have massive casts that came in and out. Yeah. And it was always exciting when a new character would come in because even if, you know, at that young age I didn't understand anything about storytelling or whatever, but I still knew, like, oh, things are going to change a little bit now. And I still have, say, Flint and Snake Eyes and Bazooka, but now they've just brought Tripwire in. And what do we know about Tripwire? (laughs) This is interesting. (laughs) What's getting ready to happen here? And and it wasn't about what they did. It was about who they were. Yeah. And and there's such good stuff. And X Men was the same way. They would have you know the core cast, but every once in a while you'd get the fringe people coming in and out. Yeah. And it just w- was a tremendous dynamic for storytelling. Well, I think it's also the important thing about like having a big cast like that. It gives you the opportunity 
to like kill characters. Mm-hmm. And there's something about when you have your heroes going into an adventure and you don't know for sure they're gonna make it. Like you don't know that everybody's gonna come back and it makes everything have more weight and be more, and you knew like X-Men was one of those comics that like, you didn't know everybody was gonna come back. There, there could be some, there could be a big thing where a bunch of people die, it could just be this one character with their time. And, and that's very interesting because I've always felt, even as a kid, I always felt it was kind of disingenuous that nobody got hurt. Yeah. And although, disingenuous, <laughs> man, but, <laughs> right. uh, and, and I hate to keep putting my own stuff over, but I'm really excited. Uh, yeah. I just interviewed uh, the showrunner for the X-Men animated series. Oh, wow. Uh, the 90s one. Oh, holy cow. Yeah. Wow. And he said that, if you remember that show, Morph died. Yeah, and that was very important to them because they wanted to show, you know, that they didn't want to put something in front of kids that showed them all of this violence without consequence. Yeah, yes, and I absolutely agree with that. And he said that was very disappointing when they made them bring Morph back later on. Mm. That they, you know, they didn't want that, but they were you know that's how it goes and the comics were very different because they didn't have the same oversight Mm -hmm. as any animated the G.I. Joe cartoon or the X-Men cartoon for that matter exactly Um, and and they were able to do things like you know have characters get severely injured or killed or whatever and that's important stuff man even though it's even though it's fantasy even though it's fiction uh, you just you to see that as a kid. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, you need to know that there are, there are consequences. And then just as a reader, you need to know that, like, stuff matters. Yes. Like, stuff actually matters. Yeah, even within, you know, let alone real life, within yep. the story, you need to know that yep. the things that are happening are important. Otherwise, yep. what do you, well, they're shooting at each other, nobody's yep. ever going to think exactly. that. Yeah, there's no tension there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. So, it, are you reading now? Are you st- still keeping up with anything? It, as, as we get older, it gets harder it to, does. to it stick does. with the... Especially now that everything is bi-weekly and, and prices are skyrocketing. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't been reading. I, my, my main source of nerddom has been the Marvel movies as, yeah. as of late. Um, and so, like, I've seen all of those. And, um, and that's, it's just... I don't know, it's, it's especially being a kid that grew up in the 90s and like seeing superhero TV shows and movies, is there's, I, as much as it's easy to complain about certain things, there is something that like I sit back and I think, if I could tell, you know, 15 year old John Carr that this was going to be a thing and at the level that it was and at the, with the budgets that they have and like seeing and not only like the visuals, but like that people that are good at telling stories are really focused on this. Yeah. And that they're taking it seriously as opposed to like, this is the comic book movie, so we'll have them fight some guys. And then, but like they're really taking these seriously. And like, that's cool for me to see. And I'm, I'm always there gonna support it as long as it lasts. Think about how crazy it is that Infinity War happened the way that it happened yep. that they they got away with it yeah that they said we're gonna and we're I mean at this point if you haven't seen it <laughs> sorry that's on you um, but it's amazing and you know if you put your cynicism aside mm-hmm. because obviously we all look at it and we know like somewhere or another most of them will be back right we're not you know but it, you know, I'm, 
I like to lose myself in a story, and when it's good, it's easy to do. And watching Infinity War, you know, the, to me, the pain was those characters left behind. Yeah, and I'm I'm with them. I'm in their shoes because right. I've been with them for ten years now. <coughs> yeah, and so when when the snap happened, mm-hmm. I didn't just look at it and go, "Well, they'll be back. Who cares?" Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, how does Cap just got Bucky back? Like, yeah. for real. Yeah. Because before, yeah, he found him, but Bucky was still all messed up. Yeah. When they hugged in Wakanda, mm-hmm. he had Bucky back. Yeah. He His really, buddy. Yeah. And then turned around and just lost him. And one I, I felt that. The one that got me was uh, Spider-Man and Iron Man. Dude, well, Spider-Man was... That was rough. That was... That was... It was it was a powerful, powerful thing, but it was powerful because they earned it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and T'Challa, mm-hmm. because who would have thought he was going anywhere? Yeah, yeah. Like we just got this guy. Yeah. Who yeah. who I my he to me he's the new Iron Man. Like yeah. going forward, I feel like he's the guy mm-hmm. because there's so much history within the movies, like. It's it's amazing how much they've already implanted Wakanda as such an important thing. Yeah, like they very cleverly gave it this history, even though it's technically only been around for a few years. <laughs> right. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I thought for sure we were going to lose her, and then he's yeah. like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> here. And, yeah. and and on top of that, my ten year old son sitting beside me. And he doesn't have any sentences. Right, yeah. So this is all legit to him. Right. And I had to decide. I was like, okay, <laughs> is this, which kind of learning moment is this? <laughs> yeah. Is this the learning moment where life is terrible and horrible things happen to things we love? Right. Or is this the learning moment where I say, it's okay, we already know that there's a Guardians of the Galaxy right. 3 and Spider-Man Homecoming 2. It's okay. It's time to teach you about contract disputes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's it's the way I ended up going. Because yeah. I am not hardcore enough to just let him think his new hero, Peter Parker, yeah. is dead. <laughs> but yeah, and that's... that's it's, it's great storytelling. It's carrying... Uh, it's really about, again, the characters, because as long as you get the spirit of the character right, mm-hmm. you, do, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing. And I, and I, I think it, at, at the core, that's what I love, and that's what I care the most about is storytelling, is telling those stories. And it's funny because people ask me, like, do you do, are you an improviser? Are you a writer? And I, I like to say storyteller only because... It encompasses so much because yeah, I do improv, I write, but I was also a professional wrestler for two years, and that was storytelling. What? <laughs> yeah, I, was, I had no idea. Yeah, I was in a, uh, I was in a um, a local promotion here in Georgia, and I did that for two years, and I had a blast, and they talked me into it because it's like it's storytelling. You're just physically telling us. Was it PC? Were you in PCW? Yeah, it was PCW. Yeah. Get out of town. Yeah. When? I was I was like back in like the, the first couple of like when it just started. Yeah, back. it had to be. Yeah, I was I wrestled as Timmy McClendon, um, who was a wrestler who was a, a guy who had made a wish with the Make a Wish Foundation to be a wrestler. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, I, 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 Stephen Platinum, I've, I've known him for years. He actually yeah. got me into announcing wrestling oh, shows awesome. originally. Okay. Um, 
I, I did my uh, PCW, I announced for them for a little while. Um, I did, there was Monstrosity Championship Wrestling. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I was the announcer for that. Um, but Stephen Platinum got me into all that. He's, he's been on the show as well. What, so, what, how do you decide? Because <laughs> they, they, he's brilliant in the way that he trains wrestlers. Yeah, absolutely. But how did you decide okay. that, to do that? So, okay, I guess Steve didn't go too far into his background. But Steve was a dad's garage improviser. And there was a show that we did for about four or five years called Brawl. Yes, and, yes. Yeah, and so we did that show, and it was it was mainly improvisers with like Steve's uh, students coming in to do like a wrestling match right. on our stage. So we ran that show, and then it ended. Um, but Steve, right around that time, Steve decided to start PCW up, and so he asked some of the improvisers like. It, would you be interested in joining up? And me and a couple other guys, we all joined up. And I remember my first wrestling like class, I was doing it and I was so nervous and my voice was cracking and I was just like, <laughs> I was like shaking a little bit. And so I was like, and so we had to do promos. And so I was just like, you know what? This is my character now. <laughs> and so I was Timmy McClendon, my voice cracked and I was just, oh my but gosh. I was just threatened. And it would always be the same thing where I would just like, be funny on in the ring, and then the bad guys would come out and beat the crap out of me, and then, <laughs> and then whoever was the main face that around that time would come and beat the crap out of them, and then we like celebrate the victory together. So sure, sure, was, yeah, yeah. So it was just a, it was a super fun thing. Oh my gosh, that's great. Now, now what what made you decide? You know what? That's enough of that. Uh, it was I just got too busy uh, yeah. just with with shows and different performance and stuff. But like I went back. There was some. Uh, it was like the year, the big yearly show that they do all the time. Um, uh, Sacred Ground. Sacred Ground. So I wasn't this last. It might have been like two Sacred Grounds ago. I got into the world. I was super happy about. Oh, it. everybody a beer because yeah. I forgot to silence my phone. <laughs> Doing it now. All right. So yeah, two Sacred Grounds ago. Yeah, yeah. I got to be in the Royal Rumble, and that was super fun uh, that's another see that's another one I went to those I didn't miss a sacred ground for maybe about three years I think which granted isn't exactly an extraordinary <laughs> run but they they did one in a church way out in the middle of nowhere oh wow and uh, this that was probably six or seven years ago maybe mm-hmm. uh, and it was amazing it was a great great show and it was it was like that was shortly after I had discovered PCW because uh, I think uh, their shows they used to do shows at the Masquerade mm-hmm. yeah it's some of the best wrestling shows I've ever seen yeah oh. and uh, so yeah from there I, I kind of got in it was was just absolutely enthralled in the idea of independent wrestling mm-hmm. because yes. the people doing that well just like people working theater just mm-hmm. like anything else those guys love it. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's, and I would imagine it's kind of the same atmosphere here. Because, uh, I mean, for the most part, I would guess dad's garage performers, like, this this isn't their day job. No, no, no. So, there's a passion here and in an independent wrestling ring that isn't necessarily there when it's somebody who is doing it for a living. Yeah. Like or, or a different kind of passion. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. If you're doing it for a living, you do. Yeah, I mean, you're invested in right, some right, way. Right. 
But it's, it's yo, you're one hundred percent right. I grew up in Los Angeles, and so I, so but I never did any acting or theater or anything because out there it was it was about money. Like half the people were actually passionate about it; the other half wanted to be famous, and right. this was the thing that they decided to do that to be famous. And so like you were surrounded by people who were doing theater and performance who only kind of cared about it and didn't really care. And so there was nothing interesting to me. It wasn't until I actually moved out to Georgia and started seeing all these folks that like no one's no one here is getting rich anytime soon. No yeah. one no one's gonna be the next, you know, or the next in the next Marvel movie, but we are doing something that we love and the people that are doing it, they're only here. The only reason to do it is because you love it. That's the only reason to do it. Do you, uh, ha- having done this kind of thing for a while now, do you see, I mean, well, I'm sure you see people that, that do want to have that as a career, that do, not necessarily want to be famous, but right. just want to make a living acting, writing, directing, whatever the case may be. And have you, have you seen some people have to sort of accept, like, that's not happening, but I can keep doing this and and find fulfillment there. It's it's interesting because there's there's two answers to that. So yes, I have seen that definitely happen, but I also think that what's cool about this community is that we're working to make that happen. We're as a community, and I don't mean just like Dad's Garage or comedy, but like everyone. If you're an artist, if you're a if you're a cameraman, if you're a lighting person. We're all in our own little ways trying to get Atlanta to, the, to this place where people start coming here looking for talent. That they start casting here. That they that people can make a, a living full time here. And we're making these slow sort of steps to it. But it's also kind of cool being on the forefront of it, mm-hmm. being being a part. And like the reality of it is that like we always talk about like. Dad's Garage is going to be amazing for the next generation of Dad's Garage performers. Right, right. And but we're all still working to make that a thing and make that happen. And and we're doing it because we love this place, we love what we're doing, and we love this community that we have. And believe that there's enough talent here, enough amazing people that if someone wanted to, you know, cast a movie or do a TV show and or do anything, you could just come to Atlanta and find every piece of that that you need. Right, right. And now, for Dad's itself, what what is... I know you guys moved, uh, I guess it's been a couple of years now, mm-hmm. hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, but, how, how did Dad start, and was it originally... Like, how has it evolved from whatever it was intended to be? Well, yeah. <laughs> so, it started, it started in the most uh, uh, classic Dad's way. Um, it was literally... Seven guys from Florida State who all were around C students at in the theater department because they kept doing stuff that the theater department hated, <laughs> and so for whatever reason they got a hair and they were like, "Let's move to Atlanta and we'll start a theater." And so these seven Florida State <laughs> guys started a theater, and they started originally to do, and, and it, it was and it still is. They started it to do theater that they wanted to see. And at the time, theater was geared toward folks in their 50s and 60s and like classics. And there was no just theater that was interesting to them. Right. We did, you know, that 
Debbie Does Dallas the Musical. We did, uh, you know, action movie, the show. Like, it was just like, these are the things that we cared about and the, that we thought about and we wanted to make plays. They wanted to make plays about that. And so that's been the through line to this day, 23 years later. I think how it's evolved is pretty much like professionalism of that, um, the idea of bringing in different voices. Uh, there was a there was a time I was at Dad's Garage and I was the only black person that was a, uh, a performer here, and so like as we've grown and brought in more people and uh, people with different experiences and life experiences, it's just kind of filled out that idea of like, all right, what are the shows that we want to see? And everybody is so diverse. We have a, now our shows are becoming more diverse with different styles and different ideas and different subjects that we're tackling. Uh, and different, even the forms of the shows that we're taking are completely different. And so it's been cool seeing us kind of expand, professionalize, like you know, trying to pay our people a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here and there, trying to like have us, we have a whole, we have, in this last session of improv students, we'll be, we'll have about 215 students. Oh my gosh. In, in our class system now. And like creating opportunities for them and like allowing them to grow artistically and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, and, we've, and then we've expanded to like obviously we do a lot of video stuff now, as well as we do a lot of outreach programs to like our community and some of the schools. And we have like a program that's just teaching improv for schools that we have. I think we're in eight different schools in Georgia now. Oh, that's fantastic. Improv. So, like, so in that way, we've just kind of gotten bigger and trying to do more to like. Not just have a good time, but also like impact our community positively. That's that's great because when you when you do start to get a profile in some way like that, I, I think, and I'm not necessarily saying everybody must do good deeds, right? Yeah, but I do think part of success is finding your way to. Help others. I'm trying to find a way to say this. Yeah, it's yeah, totally yeah. corny. Yeah, but like, no, you're 100 percent right. It is like so much of the satisfaction uh, of creating comes from helping others create. Yeah, I think absolutely. And it's 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 funny that like the theater has kind of reflected a lot of the guys' maturity as well, because you know the guys who came here were started in their 20s, and now we're 20. Four years, twenty-three years. So they're in their mid-forties now, yeah. and so it, there was a time that if you came to a Saturday night show at ten thirty, one of the performers was going to be completely naked at some right. point and just right. running around the theater, and like that's not a thing that happens anymore because yeah. like the, we're guys are in their forties now; they don't want to get naked. <laughs> the, the audience doesn't want them to get naked, <laughs> and so it's like, all right, so it's like, all right, and the things we care about is different, and. And, like, not everything is about, like, just, you know... And so it's, it's been this weird transition of, like, as we each individually have matured, like, the theater itself maturing, of being, like, it's not all about us. It's not all about what's important to us. It's also about, well, how are we helping people? How are we, how are we getting the next group of people together to, like... So that this doesn't just fade out when we all get tired of it. That, right. like, it keeps going on and, like, preparing new people. So, yeah, which is just... Yeah, reflection of maturity. Do you feel like, uh, along with the physical move of the theater, do you feel like there was sort of a, a change 
with that sort of stuff as well. Because a lot of times, even though, you know, I'm sure the changes you were just talking about have been going on for years. Right. But a lot of times when there is an upheaval like that, you sort of look around and recognize, like, oh, we're in a new spot. <laughs> and a lot of these ideas we've started having, maybe this is a time to implement. Like, do you feel that, it, you know, not only physically is, is a different place now, but that also a lot of the things that are happening now kind of started there? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the equivalent of moving from your college dorm into your first home. Right. It's, that, it's that idea of, like, suddenly you, you realize, oh, my God, I... Feel like I need to mow the lawn. Like, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like that thought would never cross your mind. Right. But you're like, no, I, it's my lawn. I need to yeah. take care of my lawn. Yeah, People yeah. can see my lawn. And so I guess <laughs> so, so it's 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 having those moments. And like, yeah, coming into this new space, it was definitely this like maturing sort of like because it's like our if you've ever been to our, our old spot, like I remember where there were shows that had to be stopped because the rain hit the tin roof so hard you couldn't hear anything. Oh my gosh. And there were so many things that were like held together by duct tape and there were just like rats in the wall and you're like, ah, it's dad's. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, that's how it is. And so we moved to this new place where it's beautiful. Like we actually got to remodel it ourselves. And so there a lot of thought was put into like how the stage was set up, how everything was put together. We could have, we made our dream theater in this place. And so now it's all of a sudden it's like, all right, now we have to like take care of it and actually like use it and have like rehearsal spaces and like, and, like rehearsal spaces. What do we need rehearsals for? <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out on stage. Right, right, right. Like, no, 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 we have to have rehearsal spaces. We have to, <laughs> we have to plan some of this stuff out. So like, that's been a really cool and interesting and like, it's, it's just like a thing. Like, there's a part of me that like, every once in a while we'll be drinking at a bar like, remember the old days when you did that wild thing, that crazy yeah. thing? It's just like, yeah, that was fun. And I was, those were good times but it's also kind of like, yeah, I also don't want to do that again. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Man, it's so freeing. And, and I think... Everything's going to work differently for different people when you're creating. But I think when you start from a place of doing it because you love it, doing and, and not really caring, like, we're doing what we want to do, I don't really care how anybody else receives it. I just want to do this thing and make it happen... And you learn so much on your own and you get so much experience. And over the course of time, the product that you're creating is so much, you know, it can still be ridiculous. You can still do fart jokes, yeah, but they're going to be mature, well-crafted <laughs> fart jokes that get the maximum laugh, you know? It's like, that's a, it's a, it's, it's a joke, but it's like a hundred percent true. Like we are the snobbiest people when it comes to fart jokes. <laughs> <laughs> we're like that was an earned fart joke. <laughs> like awesome. yeah, like we are like, but it, it's a hundred percent true. It's that it's that funny. It's that ridiculous. And the other part of it's like learning that that all that funny and the jokes and the fart stuff and all that great stuff is great, but it's not the end all be all. It's yeah. a tool, and when I can take that and start putting it with this and adding it to this, I'm starting to create these things that are fuller and bigger and much more engaging than just, you know, a straight comedy show for two hours. Have you, have you had moments in, in your, uh, as a storyteller, mm -hmm. when you're writing and you've gone, oh, wow, this is, 
I've I've grown like where you've <laughs> recognized your own next level. Yeah, I there absolutely. It and it's it, it comes in when I feel confident in telling a story or presenting a story or handing someone a script that isn't all laughs. Mm-hmm. Like laughs is like a almost like a shield. It allows me to like kind of nothing is nothing is too serious. So we're just having a good time. So yeah. I don't have to be too vulnerable. I don't have to be too revealing about anything about myself. It's it's how you kind of deflect things with comedy. And so like anytime I'm writing something that has that funny but then also lets that shield down and like actually makes me vulnerable, that's when I'm like, all right, I might be getting better as an artist. Right, right. Yeah, well and that's that's the, the old thing, isn't it? You know, you, you grow up the funny kid because you're yeah, you figure out that's the way to defend yourself from mm-hmm. from whatever. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and, and especially you know, growing up at, back in the eighties when I was growing mm-hmm. up, the the nerd stuff. Yep. Didn't didn't uh, <laughs> as you got older, it was supposed to be sports and women and whatever yeah. else. Yeah. And if you didn't get into that stuff, <laughs> it was it was harder than it than it is now. Yeah. Absolutely. Although I'm I'm not. Totally buying that the nerd culture is like as pervasive. Yes, the Marvel movies are making lots and lots of money, right. but that's because they're really well done big action movies. Right. It's not because the average guy on the street is reading Spider Man comics. Exactly. So there there is still a niche there, but uh, I think we're doing better than than we were when I was fifteen anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, well and that's the thing about fifteen year olds. If if even if like nerd culture was completely embraced they find something else to make fun of people about like, yeah. there's, it's not there, there's not going to be a version of 15 in which someone isn't making fun of or putting someone else down and, well and also when you're 15 you're a, a walking raw emotional nerve exactly so everything is going to be 20 times as poorly received <laughs> anyway exactly gosh I can't imagine can you imagine being how, how old are you I am 38 Okay, yeah. 30, I'm 42. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine having the emotions that you had when you were a teenager now responding <laughs> to things? Because when, when I was 15, every single thing anybody said to me yes. was some kind of attack. Whether yes. it was or wasn't, mm-hmm. in my head, it was, Oh, why did you say that? What does that mean? Well, and granted, to a certain extent, that's still in me. Right, yeah, yeah. But, like, it's definitely dulled over time. Yes. But imagine walking around as at uh, this age still <laughs> just being that open and raw. Oh, my, oh my God. It would be it would be so intense. I just remember so many times where, like, especially, like, for me, it was when it came to girls. Like, you meet a girl. She's the most beautiful girl in the world. You start dating. It's the most passionate love. You, she breaks up with you. Your life is destroyed. And I look back at it. I'm like, that was three days. Like, that oh, my, yeah, right, process was right. three days. Did I really? But, like, in the moment, I'm just like, this, my world is turned upside down. Dude, to teenagers, <laughs> everything means everything. <laughs> it all has significance. It's all so critically important. And granted, there's a part of that that's kind of charming and that I do kind of miss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, as we wrap it up here, uh, I, I first let's make sure we mention when the show is happening yes. and how people can find out more about it. Uh, the show it opens July thirteenth and it will run until August sixth, and it runs every uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at Dad's Garage at eight o'clock. And the easiest way to find out about it is to go to the website dadsgarage.com. 
Okay, very cool. And uh, what do you have any, like, aside from the Marvel movies, because we covered those fairly well, any pop culture stuff that's exciting you right now? Any recommendations or anything that you feel is, like, important coming up? I mean, we, we, we touched on a little bit the, the cultural movement that's going on right now. Mm-hmm. How, how can we be more aware? How can, what, what's out there? That that's a that's a great question. Um, I feel like like it's it's very interesting that you ask about that. Like, I don't know that there is anything. Like in, in the sense of I, this is one of those things where I I just don't see this area covered very much, and mm-hmm. I don't see people talking about this very much, and I haven't seen people talk about it. But at the same time, for me, it's it's less about. You need to read these three books and do these three things. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's less about that and just recognizing um, and like the core of it all is just embracing people. And for me, like even this particular story, it's about telling my story not to like change people's minds or for people to feel a certain way, but just to let you know here's some how's how someone else is sees the world. Here's a different perspective maybe you haven't seen, and maybe that helps inform your perspective in some way. Um, so, uh, something like that, but like I, for me, just like the, everything that's going on with Black Panther has been really cool, and I'd love to see that kind of continue. <laughs> I love for Nick Cage to be better um, as a story, um, but yeah, what are you gonna do, Luke Cage? Luke Cage? Yeah, sorry, not Nick Cage. I would love for Nick. I, you know what? I don't think <laughs> Nick Cage could be any better as a story. Yeah, no, no, Nick Cage. Is yeah, perfect. Luke Cage. I, I watched Luke a, Cage. I watched a few, and I was, I was. Very conscious. Like I didn't. I didn't want to come in here. Like let's talk about all the black oh, things. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. John Carr. You can now represent uh, all black people everywhere. Yes. But I did. I watched. Have you seen any of the new season? I haven't yet? seen any of the new season. Okay. Yet. Then I, 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 we'll, we'll leave that on the table for now. Yeah. But I, the, the first season was was very disappointing, and I was very sad. Uh, but I want. But I, I'm. I, I'm hoping that it'll get better, and that'll be good. But. But yeah. No. It's. It's just. It's just embracing other people and accepting them and like, you know, you don't, I don't need to change. I just need you to give me a hug every once in a while. It will value, valuing perspective. Yeah. That's, that's key. And honestly, only in the last 10 years of my life, really, it's, I've often referenced my son being born as a big shift yeah. in who I was as a person. Uh, but I, I've really that's the biggest thing is to look at people and want to know what what you see what right. you've done what you've been through how because you know, at the end of the day we're all people yeah. and we're all going to find that common laugh yeah yeah it's it's going to be yeah and that's that's what it's that's what it's all about I do want to say the thing that I'm excited about in nerd in general this is very nerdy uh, I'm excited about wrestling I'm excited about wrestling. Really? And I'll tell you why I'm excited about wrestling. Okay. Oof. All right, here we go. So, uh, the WWE just got um, signed a deal to be on Fox Television yes. next season. Big, big money deal. Yes, a huge money deal, which changes everything for everyone. Because That's now they're on network television. Um, and... and they're expanding, and it's and I think the thing that like for an overarching 
thing is that they have like their WWE network, which is one of the first like genres to have like have a big network behind it, and they're doing a lot of things that are like kind of reshaping how we think about like streaming and online mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And so the idea of like them getting this money influx, um, which is also going to help all the indies because now they're going to be taking over some of those spaces that yeah. WWE field. And so the next couple of years, uh, everything is shifting and everything is changing. And I love wrestling and I'm very excited to see how everything flips around in the next couple of years. Man, I, I really hope, because in, in a very real sense, SmackDown and Raw will literally be competing. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I hope that we get a two-hour raw. Yes, three hours is too much. It's too much. Uh, but man, I mean, the advertising costs—they're literally going to be competing for advertising dollars. They're literally going to have to put on the best shows that they can put on. Yep. Uh, and, and now, fortunately, and, and it's it's funny uh, because talking about uh, just sort of representation and everything in Ronda Rousey. Yeah, who is doing incredibly well so yeah. far? Yeah, uh, maybe not quite Kurt Angle well, but right. I think she has the potential to go beyond where Angle was Absolutely. when he left WWE. Absolutely, uh, man. To to think that going forward, there's a very real possibility she could be their next Stone Cold, The Rock, whatever. Yes. Yeah, what a crazy idea! Who right? would have thought that? Which is amazing, and you circle into the fact that, like, the reality is, uh, Vince McMahon is in his mid eighties, yeah, and he's not going to be around for forever. And like, he's one of those guys that, like, if anything happens to him, everything changes. Well, you, I mean, you can look at NXT and see, yes, how different things will be when the next generation and is. That makes me so happy. Absolutely, that makes me. And, you know, I wish Vince a long and happy life. Right, yes. He has he has taken this thing that I've loved since I was a child and grown it far beyond any of us could ever have imagined. Absolutely. I, the, just as you said, the network alone mm-hmm. won the fact that they have their own streaming service providing so much content, but the variety of that. Yeah, content. exactly. I mean, look at look at some of the edgy, well, literally edgy, edgy, <laughs> edgy Christian show. Look yeah. at some of the stuff they did. On that show, yeah. that would never fly on television now. Yep. Not only content-wise, but just WWE wouldn't put that on. Exactly. Uh, so there, there's so much great stuff going on there. Yeah, I'm excited about wrestling too. Yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect way. So, so we learned not only that uh, that John Carr was a wrestler <laughs> for a brief time, but uh, we're gonna wrap it up, uh, looking hopefully ahead at the future of not just the WWE. But all wrestling everywhere. I think yes. that's a good place to stop. Absolutely. I love that. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for having me here, man. I yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. So you might have noticed right there at the beginning, I referred to Dad's Garage Theater as Dad's Theater. Uh, but it was, I, I was a little, I, I can chalk it up probably to being a little overwhelmed at sitting in this beautiful theater. I mean, the new place is just gorgeous. I, I really I didn't know what to expect going down there because I had not been there before. And I really wasn't ready for this gorgeous, I don't know, is auditorium, can you apply that? I, I don't know sizes, whatever, but it's a, it's a big space with a beautiful stage. And like, as John said, very clearly 
designed with specific purposes in mind. And and it's just, for me, it's powerful to sit in the middle of something like that when the performance isn't happening. Because you just, you sit there and you feel all the potential, I guess. I, I don't know, maybe I'm being overly... Uh, dramatic over that and, and trying to find a reason for leaving Garage out at the beginning there. Uh, but anyway, had a fantastic time uh, talking to John. Hopefully, I would love to have him back on the show just to talk about wrestling or pop culture or whatever else. Uh, I feel like there's a lot more conversation to be had there. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it enough to think about going to needlessthingspodcast.com, clicking on that big box in the top right corner that says Amazon, and buying yourself a little something nice. And in the process, Needless Things gets a kickback. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps the site with operating well it helps was it helps diffuse operating costs i guess because obviously i get amazon credit but I, you know i buy stuff for the shows that i do for the conventions that i go to uh whatever i need a new pair of sunglasses for dragon con it's, help me out guys help me out uh all right i hope you had a great time because i sure did we'll see you next week i love you guys thank you for listening to the needless things podcast you're the best you can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vix employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh. <laughs>